Hey everyone, and once again, welcome back to the Mental Cruise podcast. Today, we have Julien Le Forestier of Spotify as a guest with us. And if you're thinking about any of your favorite products out there in the world, there's probably a person like Julian behind them. A product is nothing without its users. And so it's easy to understand just how important the role of a user researcher is. The role of UX researcher or user researcher is still a bit underrated in comparison to its counterpart, the UX designer. Yet the growth of user research and its roles is predicted to increase a lot more in the next few years. Good professionals are in demand. Today, we're learning a little bit more about this profession from Julian directly. Welcome to the podcast, Julian. Hello, Dom. I'm excited for our talk today. The first thing I want to is jump right in to your background. I've been a US user researcher for the last 15 years. So yeah, time really flies. After my first year of master, I got the opportunity to do an internship in Canada for a company called Ubisoft, famous company that does video games. And basically I helped them uh, building their uh, UX research lab in their studio in Quebec City. And they were looking for people who were doing master marketing. They have this component of consumer behavior. Uh, and they thought that the best people to do that would be marketing people. So I helped them. And, um, and it was quite new in the video game industry to have a UX research lab. So they were trying to, to find the right people. It worked out for me and they kept me if after realizing that, you know, it might be the right degree and I can say I learned UX research from scratch. So I spent a bit of time in Canada. Then I went back to Paris where I still work for Ubisoft. AAA games mean like the, the big production games like Assassin's Creed or Splinter Cell or games like that. That's awesome. Yeah, huge fan of, of games and, and Ubisoft. A lot of games there that, that make it into my, my top list. <laughs> Times really changed in the past 10, 15 years since you started. When you look back to your time at Ubisoft and since then you've traversed other career positions and you've been at other companies, what has really changed and what has been different since then? User research has been around for the last maybe 40 years. Uh, it all started in the maybe in the 80s with Norman Nielsen, the father of, of UX. And so in traditional UX, it's been there forever. If you think about traditional UX, you want people to go through a website from a point A to a point B in a very fast way, very efficient way with little hurdle, no, no hurdles at all. In the video games, if you do that, I think you agree with me, it's quite boring. You know, if there is no challenge, if there is no like enemies to, to fight against and if you don't, you know, have fun uh, along the way. So this dimension of having fun is different uh, in video games. And nowadays we're going to do that first, you know, trying to figure out what users want, needs, how they behave. And based on these insights, build a product and basically minimize the risk of users not wanting it or not liking it. Nowadays, UX is a central element, design and, and research central element in developing products. Nowadays, you're not in, in the game industry anymore, right? You're at, you're at Spotify. In this whole machinery of, of finding out what users want, how would you summarize what you do? Basically, one, one of the first steps when you design a new product or if you want to, uh, to improve a user experience of something that exists already is to start thinking about, about the users, you know, who they are, where are they from, what do they want, why do they want it, or how can, how can a product help them get what they want. And really our role as user researchers is to 
try to uncover these users' behaviors. So they, they also their needs and their motivations to, to make a product, a service, or, or website that is more intuitive and, and enjoyable for them and try to create this, this notion of delight, delighting users. I think it's what we're trying to do here. It's a really cool metric to strive for. Would you say that you work mostly in the background or how close do you actually get to, to execution and who do you work with in a, in a modern tech team? There are different structure for UX research team. You have centralized UX research teams or decentralized research teams. And I was in both, you know, organization in video games, I was more in a, in a centralized team where the, the requests were coming in from, from developers who wanted to test part of their games, like prototypes or one level of a game and they came to us and say, okay, we want like uh, to test that in front of users. So can you help us? And we were recruiting people, organizing the sessions and, and watch people playing the games. And then we pr were producing a report and, and, and presenting it to the team with, with our recommendations and feedback, but that's was pretty much it. So what people do with the feedback we give them, it's was pretty much out of our hands and we couldn't do much about it, but at Spotify, it's pretty much uh, decentralized. UX team, so a bit of a hybrid. Every day uh, I get in touch with the product designer, the product managers. We decide on the roadmap and the research strategy to decide where we go next with our product. So I'm pretty much involved in, in the production as well of, uh, of where, the, where we're going next with, with our product. So different ways of doing research. I think the, the being in a decentralized team, being very close to the product is what appeals to me most. Coming from this very strong and long gaming background, is there something that you can take with you today when you're working on like consumer software, essentially? Is there something that you still hold from that time that you, that you strive forward? When you work on a product like Spotify, it's not only a music app, it's uh, trying to bring emotion. It's a listening experience rather than just listening to music. So if we can make it like smooth and appealing and and cool and, and delightful. I feel like there's a lot of overlap, especially with something like Spotify, right? Where you want to yeah. create this very nice, almost game-like experience. We were talking before, you're working with mentees, you're a really good mentor, you get great ratings and great comments from everyone. What was the motivation behind starting to mentor and taking on this more, more official? I broke into the mixed research industry with a bit of luck and I'm very happy to, to say that I'm a UX researcher today, but I need a bit of help and that help was given to me by mentors as well. You know, I'm talking about that 15 years ago. And so basically if I, if I didn't have those people to talk to when I have doubts or questions about my work and my experience and how to land my next job, I would not maybe be where I, where I am today. And, and so I can only thank them enough to, for, for where I am today, but basically they, they help me in building a portfolio, they, they review my CV. And this is such, this is so much help. You know, when you have people who have like 10 years of experience and you're just starting, you, you don't realize the gap between a junior and a senior person, unless until you, you are in this position when, when you learn from them. And I think this is what, what I wanted to, to give back when I applied for you be a mentor on your, on your platform is just trying to, to help people as you know, in the same way how I was helped in the past. And this is what motivated me. Do you get anything from, from mentoring as well? It's giving me the opportunity to, to help others, but it made me realize one thing. I'm sure you, you've heard that a lot about this uh, imposter syndrome that I think everyone 
a lot of people have. But basically, when, when you have this much experience and, and you start working for companies like Spotify, where, in my opinion, everyone is super talented there. We, we are, I'm working with, with brilliant people and it, it, I think it emphasizes this important syndrome a bit, a bit more that you, you start feeling, yeah, okay, this is my place. And when you, you do mentoring, you don't really understand or realize how much experience you've gathered throughout 15 years of, of doing user research. So my first mentee, I think it helped me realize that I have a lot to, to give to others. You know, I, I can bring value and, and help people because of my experience, but this is something you tend to forget. And, and thanks to mentor groups, I think now it's a good reminder. For mentioning multiple times that you didn't have the traditional way to go into, into user research. You know, if I'm looking for a new career, maybe I'm at the start of my career, what is the, the best path or maybe even the usual path to get into user research? So I've seen that a lot of people are transitioning from, you know, being product managers, being, becoming UX researchers or designer, becoming UX researchers. So I don't think there is like a, there, there are like more traditional ways to get in, but you know, what I want to say is like, if, if you're passionate about understanding users and motivations and behaviors, yeah, you can, can do it. You don't need like a specific degree, but nowadays I would say a degree in human computer interaction or in psychology are the most common ways to, to, to get into UX research. That makes sense in, in software engineering, but I, th I feel like increasingly also UX design and even product management, there's alternative paths opening up, right? Where, where people take boot camps, they're taking shortcuts to the traditional university route. Is that opening up now in, in user research as well? Or is it more like if you want to, to transition into it, it's picking things up on the job? You can do both, you know, you can learn by doing. At Spotify, we hire like associate user researcher, but I see Google doing a certification for becoming a user researcher as well, like a, a bootcamp. So a lot of, you know, training or bootcamp, as you mentioned, to become a UX researcher, the, the, it's, it's been around for a while now. But yeah, definitely you can do that. In more concrete terms, what tools and methods do you use? Let's say, for example, we don't have anything. We don't have a product yet, but we want to understand what our users want. So we'll do what we call more like foundational research, where this is really to understand motivations, behaviors, how people live. So we might go to someone's place and watch them, you know, doing some particular things for a couple of hours. They will, they will show us their home and... And, and we'll co-create something with them and, and come up with new ideas, basically, to inspire the, the, the development of a new product. And we're going to bring all these insights to come up with a new idea. And when this idea, you know, those ideas emerged and we have a more clear idea of what we want to build, we'll do what we call evaluative research. We'll, we'll put the prototypes or the development, the product developed in front of users and get their feedback and see how we can improve it through what we call usability testing, for example. So really it depends at which stage we are at, but it can happen at pretty much, pretty much all the time. It sounds like a really diverse career, right? There's, there's a lot of actions and, and a lot of things that you do as a user researcher. If you could pinpoint maybe three skills that are really important to have as a user researcher, what, what would they be? I said collaboration with, with the stakeholders is key. It's so important that we all communicate and, and collaborate together to, to make sure we don't lose what the users' needs and behaviors are. 
I'm working a lot with the, with data scientists as well. There is a difference as well between quantitative and qualitative research. I know data scientists that they, they play with a lot of data and numbers telling us what users are doing. So there's a lot of collaboration between, between the team and within the squad and even with the engineers, you know, it could look like they're coding, they're doing all the backend stuff and we don't have much to do with them, but actually they will tell us if it's possible to build something. You were mentioning that user research in some form has been around for the better half of like 40 years. Looking forward, maybe in the next 10 or 20 years, do you see something changing in user research? We are dealing with such a huge amount of data every year. Every day, every second, we receive tons and tons of data. We, we can track pretty much everything in, in an app, you know, any data that, that we want. So where this is going is that we will need some good ways to interpret data. AI as well is, I think is, could be a super helpful to analyze transcripts of interview sessions with users. I'm thinking about open-ended questions in a survey, you know, if you have ways to analyze all these open-ended questions and figure out what themes can emerge from these, these answers, that would be, that would be great. What would you say does that mean for you personally, if you look at the next five to 10 years, where can you go as a, as a user researcher? I think nowadays in, in research, we're looking for people who can master both quantitative and qualitative data. Traditionally, user researchers are more on the qualitative side. They deliver interviews, they talk to people. When it comes to doing surveys, see job offer for mixed method researchers. So these people who can, can do both quantitative and qualitative research. So I think it's more and more in demand. So if I would uh, advise anyone uh, who wants to, to break into research is maybe have a look at becoming that. Thank you for shining a light on this, this area of UX research. Before we get to the end of our podcast, we usually have three things that we ask all our guests. The first one is fairly easy. Where can they find you online? Yeah, Mentor Profile. Also, you can reach me on LinkedIn. That's the best way. That's the way to go. All right. And then if you could pick between one and three books that you could really recommend about user research, what would they be? I think my favorite book of all time, it's Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman. Fascinating book that talks about our thought process and the, the, the two systems that we have in our brain. System one that is super fast and instinctive and even emotional and, and second system, system two, that is much slower, more like logical and will refrain you from doing something stupid. Second one would be the design of everyday things by Don Norman, one of the father of, uh, of UX. And the last one, I think it's a very practical book. It's called Just Enough Research by Erica Hall. And it's, it's a guidebook of trusted research method that you can implement pretty much right away. Thank you very much. Um, last but not least, you might have inspired one or two people to maybe look deeper into user research as a career option. What would be your number one advice? Definitely a lot of resources online, you know, Nielsen Norman group, the website, the, the pioneer of, of UX, always great to, to check what article they published when, what, what they're talking, what they're thinking about UX research. Tons of groups as well on LinkedIn. If you're interested in, uh, in video games and in UX, you have the IGDA group. That is a very great, a great resource for learning about video games, but also UX as well. And 
yeah, I think my number one advice would be to, to keep learning. You know, it helps people feel happier in life, fulfilled in your lives and then and, and your careers as well. So, and to maintain like a stronger cognitive functioning when you get older. So keep learning is important. Amazing advice. Obviously, all the resources that you mentioned are going to be linked in the description of this podcast and as well as your Metacruise profile if people want to learn directly from you. That's probably a good way to get in touch with you. But then, without further ado, thanks so much for, for taking the time, for coming on the podcast, and talk to you next time. Thank you. Bye-bye.